Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Nice preview episode of the Michigan football team's matchup at Indiana. So we have a bit of a formula here where we look at players to watch, uh, something Michigan should be concerned about, which not to toot our own horns, but literally the two we said last week were Michigan State's passing attack and Michigan State's front seven kind of stopping those runs up the middle. So uh, something there. And then we'll, we'll we kind of call our shot with a statistic free hunch, so to speak. Uh, something that, you know, we have a hunch that blank. And then we have our over unders and final predictions. And so, Steve, I, I guess, um, I guess we can just jump right into the players. I know, I know, I know our listeners have, have requested we talk about a couple other topics. I'll try to bring them up along the way. Uh, but first, offensively and defensively, your players to watch in this matchup. Uh, offensively, I'm going to go with Chuck Filiaga. I think I discussed him on the my players to watch piece from yesterday. You know, Vince Gray got a lot of crap for the way he played at corner against Michigan State. I, I you know, and I'm, this is what I mentioned on the piece yesterday. Is I know I saw Seth Fisher, Fisher at mgoblog.com uh, did a great breakdown of, of where Michigan's breakdowns were offensively against Michigan State. Filiaga really, uh, really, really, really struggled. So classic situation for a rebound game for a guy that looked solid against Minnesota, but now we're, we're seeing – how poorly Minnesota's defense played against Maryland and wondering was that the Mirage uh, game compared to the Michigan state performance offensively. Right. I think that's really the big question going into this game against Indiana Filiaga kind of a, in a way sort of a symbolic of that played, like played, looked like he played really well against Minnesota. Yeah. Moved yeah. Some people, right. Like looked like a guy that could be a dominant force, particularly in the run game and did, did not, repeat that performance against Michigan state. So definitely somebody on the offensive side of the ball that I'm going to be looking at defensively. Um, there's a few guys, I think. Chris well, Hint- hold on. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I, I was just going to say, we can actually talk a little bit more about Philly. Yeah, because uh, it, it, I was surprised that one, it got asked and two that Harbaugh gave the answer that he gave. He did not rule out that. I mean, he was asked if he thinks the starting five, uh, on the offensive line from Saturday will be the same starting five this Saturday. I I guess nobody really knows for sure. Do you think, based on kind of what you've read, what you know, is a change warranted? Could it be warranted? Do you think Michigan make a change? Or do you think they they stick with the with the five, which is a veteran five and a five that's been kind of the same group for a while, but you know, Michigan does have options, especially on the interior. I mean, you think about all the all the top tier recruits, top recruiting targets. You know, Jim Harbaugh's already gone out of his way to praise uh, Trevor Keegan, Zach Zinter, Carson Barnhart. Do you think a change could be on the horizon? And do you think maybe if it isn't, should it be? I would say this. I was. I suspect, given. The, comp- the we knew what the competition was on the interior during during well really just the whole offseason I know it was an extended offseason but um, at the very least I got to suspect there's some short leashes um, we know I mean and again 
I hate to, I hate to talk about how uh, there's a young player that Michigan's really high on. Cause it seems to bite us more often than not <laughs> when we talk about it, but um, these days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I know that their feeling was that Zach Zinter was not far away at all. Uh, and so I would not be surprised if I'm not going to say if, if Filiaga specifically is, if does he start on Saturday or not? I don't know. I suspect he'll get another shot. Um, but I think much like some other play, I think there'd be a very short leash. And I actually kind of think Zinter might be the guy that would maybe step in. Um, he played late against Minnesota. And again, yep. we, we've seen, we know now that Minnesota does not have a very good defense, but Zinter looked pretty good in his limited time that he had out there. And so could be could be one of those situations. Again, we know how deep and, and, and how fierce that competition was in the interior offensive line. So if there's one spot offensively where there'd be some cha- potential changes, it'd have to be that spot. So I also think I, I don't know if Michigan's quite there yet. I, I I get the sense that they're not, but they are kind of in that Hail Mary situation. If they want to make anything of this season. They can't lose at Indiana. They can't lose to Wisconsin. So over the next two weeks, do you maybe, I guess the, fr- the phrases go for broke, but I, I don't know if they're quite going for broke by switching a starter who's struggling. But do you kind of say, hey, either, these, you know, kind of sink or swim. These young kids either have it or or the season's a bit of a rebuilding year. So yeah. that's something yeah. I also wonder. And, and you know, Jim, in in our time covering him, really does not usually entertain questions like that. And so maybe he's just changed his approach from, I mean, he used to be kind of like defiantly, like he would never conceal that a position group was struggling. Uh, I I think that goes back to his time as a former player. You know, Jamon Howard does the exact same thing. He will never acknowledge that a player is slumping or had a bad game. Uh, But, but I, you know, the fact that he said, I don't know. And, as someone who was in on the video conference and kind of saw his language, I, I don't think it's out of the question. Now, one thing to consider is Indiana. uh, They do not have elite defensive tackles. Uh, You know, they have Jerome Johnson, Demarcus Elliott, and then CO. Oh my, it's, it's a very long name. I feel like I would be shooting myself in the foot trying to pronounce it correctly, but you know, collectively, I think they only have 14 tackles this season as defensive tackles. Opposing teams are are rushing the ball well up the middle against the Hoosiers. So it's not, I don't think it's the same as what Michigan State had a defensive tackle. Now, could be wrong, uh, but maybe this is a game where, I mean, if, if it's someone you think is going to start or be starter caliber by November or that November by December, or by the time you're playing a bowl game, or even by the time you're playing a full season next year, yeah, I think, I think you could vouch for to put, you know, Zach Zinter. Or, I mean, they they all have freshman eligibility, right? So if I don't know about the other players, um, you know, the, the the recruits from the twenty what nineteen recruiting class could be in play as well, because they need the you know, especially against Wisconsin, they need to have their best team. They can't have guys struggling if they want to win. So something that's a, that's a good choice is kind of taking a look because I think this Michigan team, I think they need really good interior guard play. 
to be successful. I don't think they can be a team that does the West Coast spread stuff all game and wins. And I think that could be successful, but I do think as, as much as fans are sick of the play calls, they need to be able to establish a, an inside run of some kind. And so I think, yeah, I think, I think that's a good one. Uh, your defensive player to watch. Stick with the interior. Um, I'm going to go with Chris Hinton. Kind of the, really the most talented guy they have in the middle. And, uh, Really a guy, I think we've said a couple times before, thought he played really well, all things considered, uh, against Ohio State last year, and also thought he played pretty well against Alabama as well in the bowl game. Again, this is for a true freshman, you know, at defensive tackle position. And uh, so far he'd been, I would say, a little quiet uh, this season. And, and really, again, that's the thing is, I was talking about this on the board this morning, is – you know, everything's been about corners, corners, corners. Michigan had zero sacks, and we I know we talked about after two tackles for a loss against Michigan State. I know we talked about that in the recap episode. But, you know, again, the common thread for Michigan in, in these losses under Harbaugh and with Don Brown's defense is no pressure at all. That's, that's a more common thread than poor cornerback play, in my opinion. Not saying the – obviously the corner – the criticism of the cornerback play on Saturday was more than warranted. That's – not really my main point. My point is the front four has to do a little bit more as well. And Hinton really just seems like the guy most capable in the middle of having a breakout type game. And, and again, talk about Indiana's defensive tackles being mediocre. I don't think the interior of their offensive line is really spectacular either. And they have not run the football well, in my opinion, this year. I mean, they, I think Stevie Scott had a little over hundred yards against Rutgers, but did, didn't do much against uh, Penn State. Correct. Yeah, they're yeah. not running the ball well. They're averaging just 87.5 rushing yards per game and 2.9 rushing yards per carry. Yes. So Not good. So now I think Saturday, an opportunity for a guy like Hinton to maybe have a confidence-building type game. Not saying his confidence is low. I don't know where his confidence is at, but a, a game where he could maybe yeah. impose his will a little bit, you know, because I think that – He's, we said before the season, I thought he was one of the more important guys for them because he is that guy who's talented and has enough experience to maybe take that next step in the middle. So could be a start for him on Saturday. We'll see, you know, how he handles. You know, he's been playing a lot, though. I mean, he's been playing a starter's share of snaps just about. Uh, Want to see more from him on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. On offense, I am going to go... Oh man, I should have thought of one. <laughs> I I, I kind of had Philly Agut on on the brain, um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with. Well, well I'll start with the defense because I have one ready. <laughs> Dax Hill uh, really stands out to me. I mean, this is a game where uh, I'm very curious. I'll I might be watching kind of where he is on every snap because, on paper, certainly Michigan State's wide receivers showed a lot in the game, but on paper, Indiana is supposed to have a little bit more dangerous of a receiving game. Peyton Hendershot, uh, you know, potential all big 10 tight end. Uh, Ty Freifogel has been a pretty dangerous receiver. And then there's the guy that Michigan didn't face last season, who probably outside of the bevy of receivers, Ohio state has and Rashad Bateman 
Wap Fillier is probably the best receiver Michigan's going to face for the next few weeks uh, based on what he's done statistically, what he looks like in games. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of in that lines up in the slot. I feel like more than more often than not, maybe all the time, five ten. So you got to think if you're Michigan, it's a similar deal with Bateman where you are just telling someone, Hey, you're on him all game. And maybe Michigan goes with, you know, Jamon green or Vincent gray or somebody else. But, um, if I were calling plays from my couch, <laughs> or I guess I'll be in the press box, but if I were calling, you know, the armchair coach, I'd say, you know, Dax Hill, he can do whatever he wants the rest of the season. But we, you know, Michigan needs somebody with the speed, quickness. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe just the the, the mentality to shut Wap Fillier down. Cause I think if you shut him down, I, I don't know if Michael Penix has. I mean, I mentioned he, you know, Fry Fogle and and Hendershot especially. It's not the same offense. It is not the same offense. Um, you know, Indiana, as you mentioned, they they don't run the ball especially well. Uh, they have some good running backs, but it's just I don't know if that's an offensive line thing. The, the production hasn't been there, and I feel like the rest of the team, Michigan, can feasibly handle. Bring up a great point about they need a pass rush, uh, if nothing else, Indiana. Technically, I think has four returning starters. You know, they're, they're, I guess there's some um, returning starter could mean a lot of different things, but they they have some experienced players in the offensive line. So I think I'm looking to see how Michigan uses Dax Hill and and how Dax Hill performs. That's someone that um, you know pretty much snap to snap. But Steve, do you think? I mean, this was something that came up kind of after the Michigan Michigan State game was. Um, Dax Hill's at cornerback was supposed to be a, hey, if the game's not going well, he's the best cover guy on the team. They didn't really do that on Saturday, at least that I saw. Do you do you anticipate a changed role for him? I so is is interesting. You know, Sam had a great sort of inside report on that whole situation um, before the season started, and kind of insinuated that there was a bit of resistance. Mm-hmm. from Hill about wanting to play cornerback, you know, and, and I thought that was kind of odd because I actually think corner is where he probably projects best in the NFL. Um, and I also think it's a spot where I think playing both positions, he's the type of guy that can handle it. And I don't think it's going to like, he's a guy like sort of like peppers that you can kind of put him anywhere. And not only is he going to produce, but he's not going to like forget how to, do what he does best. And uh, mm-hmm. so I always thought it was kind of the resistance or at least the implication. There was some resistance I thought was uh, pretty peculiar. I, I think if you're Michigan, I think it's gotta be strongly insinuated or, or, or push that like, Hey, like we need to, we need to put our best 11 on the field, try to win this football game and, and put, uh, put your best defender on Indiana's best defender. Yes, yes. Right. I mean, it happens in basketball sometimes like that's like LeBron's thing, right? Is if a player is, going off he has 20 points at halftime and maybe he doesn't do it quite as much with the Lakers but I felt like he could guard all five positions and he would just like circle a guy and say nope I'm on him I'll figure it out and so no I like the move I just wasn't sure if Michigan I mean it hasn't they did they did uh, throw him on he did cover Reed a little bit on Saturday I mean he was 
And I guess that's true. Reed had a much quieter week two than week one. Yes. And for as ironic, bad as, yeah. ironically, though, I mean, you know, Hill had like perfect coverage on a play that Reed actually somehow still caught the ball. It was out of bounds, but like he still somehow it was like Michigan State's receivers last Saturday reminded me of the kid on Little Giants who put stick on his hands. You know, because like they made some they made some catches that were just outrageous. You know, and even that one was out of bounds was obviously incomplete was still just a hell of a play to catch the ball in the first place. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. I, I strongly suspect he'll at least see some snaps at cornerback for sure. Now, is it exclusive? Well, and he is their nickel. And so, right. Various well, sets, he will be lining up in that kind of situation anyways. But that a lot of that, as far as like the the abundance of him playing really just doesn't it come down still to how far Makari page has come. Yeah. And he didn't look ready against Minnesota. Um, I didn't really watch him that closely against Michigan state. I couldn't tell you how his performance looked. I just, you know, I know against Minnesota it looked like he had a ways to ways to go. So, you know, could be a guy just maybe had a little bit of stage fright, but I think mm-hmm. his, I think his progression is, is as important to how Michigan uses Hill you know, than anything is. Yeah, my, I agree. My offensive player to watch, kind of looking at how Indiana's done this season. And before the season, I remember, oh, I don't know if I officially said it, but I, I strongly insinuated Taiwan Mullen is about as good of a cornerback Michigan's going to face. And I, I think, I think, um, Kane Womack has, has recruited, I think he, he's got a pretty good secondary, uh, developed over at Indiana. So I think Michigan, you, you mentioned uh, up front, they need better blocking, better holes to run through. I think this is a game where Zach Charbonnet, I hope that's not too easy of a, of a target since he only had three rushing yards last week. This is a game where I'm very curious to see how he responds. You know, sir, whatever Michigan state did to him or not just to him, but to the running game in general, uh, that's something that, you know, Michigan's not going to win if Zach Charbonnet averages three yards a game the rest of the season. And so um, he's someone I'm I'm keeping an eye on. They didn't really use him. Michigan didn't, especially kind of toward, toward the end of the game, it felt like. And so that's someone I'm watching. And then I actually really liked your point on Saturday. Is this the game where maybe they, they start to, to open the can a little bit with, with A.J. Henning? get him involved because I don't think Indiana. I don't think Indiana has anyone that can catch AJ Henning. I mean, they, they certainly have guys who can take angles and, and get them out of bounds, but it feels like this would be a game, especially, you know, kind of similar to Dax Hill. It's kind of the, the, and putting maybe a freshman uh, offensive guard in. It's like, this is the break glass in case of emergency game. Yep. I feel like. And so, does do Henning does Roman Wilson, who's already had a pretty productive season as well. Uh, is this a game where maybe they start taking, opening the playbook a little bit more, taking a little bit more of the risky plays and, and putting some of the young players out there. Cause uh, they need to move the football. You know, that's something that Indiana, maybe that's been the biggest surprise in their two and start is, is how stout defensively they've been. I know it hasn't been, they didn't shut anybody out, but they seemed to get stops when they needed to get stops. I was going to say situational because, like, they did almost, yeah. they yielded almost 500 total yards at Penn State. I mean, 
And yeah, Sean, Sean yeah. Clifford and, had Sean Clifford had what a hundred and, but their pass defense so far has been pretty pretty dang solid. Um, yeah, you yeah, know, and couple. so yeah, I think Michigan agree or disagree real quick. So Michigan they they have to run a designed vertical play like early in the game, don't they? I mean, it because the thing is, you know, you look back at Saturday, not so much against Minnesota because they ran the ball so well, but like. It got to a point, and this is like it kind of. This is like uh, probably fans are gonna annoy. This is gonna annoy the hell out of them. It reminded me of how D'Antonio's teams defensively would attack Michigan, where it got to the point where there was no downfield threat for Michigan to throw the ball, so they just kept creeping up and creeping up and creeping up, and then all of a sudden Michigan's playing football in a box, you know, and I, I. I feel like they have so many athletes, both at running back and receiver and at quarterback, that if they can hit on a couple big plays, it's going to open up so much stuff for them with Milton's arm, which again, you know, like that was another thing we talked about on the board today was, you know, he looked really inaccurate on the intermediate to deep ball stuff. But like, I don't remember outside of a couple, like even like intermediate, definitely not on deep. None of that was by design. It was all the, the throws he was making down the field were all improvised out of the pocket stuff is broken down type stuff, not a designed, you know, play action, mm-hmm. go route to Roman Wilson or anything. It was nothing like that at all. It was all, imp- you know, it's, and for a guy in a second start, it's hard to make those throws on an improvised on the run, you know, type deal. Those aren't, they're not going to be as easy as they are when you can step in the pocket and make a throw, which the other thing with, with Milton I thought when he had a designed pass play in the pocket, he looked like a guy who is not one bit afraid to stand in the pocket and make a play, you know, and, and, and that's for a young guy that's who's, you know, just getting his feet wet and, and getting that experience. Like that's a really good thing, you know? And so you got to think Michigan's going to, going to try, they have to try something to, to get one of these guys. You don't even need, if you hit it, of course, that's best case scenario, but just do it, make the threat of it known. You know, because they have these like these guys who are all as fast as they are, which is not, you know, not a coach speak or anything. The numbers are the numbers. I mean, we know how fast like Roman Wilson is and and AJ Henning and Giles Jackson and uh, who I'm missing, Mike Sainer is still another guy. Like these guys can fly, you know. So just stretch the field out, even if it's not successful the first time. Stretch it out, make the defense think that it it could potentially be there down down the line. And it's going to open up a little bit for you. So, yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. I and I think one thing that that helps with that is actually being able to move the ball up the middle. Uh, you know, to me, just knowing, feeling feeling like Indiana's back seven is is maybe a bit stronger than their than their defensive front. Just just from what I have been able to see and research. Feel like, feel like this would be a game to catch somebody off guard, and, and and similar to philosophically what we were just talking about, we really haven't seen Joe Milton as you meant try a downfield pass, and I don't think that's just on Milton. I think that's a play calling thing. Um, I mean, even with like their season on the line, right? Did they did Milton attempt a pass more than eighteen yards downfield in that in that final drive of the game? 
statistically it didn't look like he did because it was an 18 play drive. So yeah, going to be going to be interesting to see kind of what what Michigan, especially early, that's something I'm keeping an eye on is is the play calling. Um, but lots lots of storylines to watch. Steve, in your mind, Michigan should be the most worried about blank. Knowing what you know about Indiana, knowing what you know about Michigan, which which thing are you do you think Michigan should be the most concerned about? I mean, maybe too easy of an answer, but a, a repeat of last yeah. Saturday. I mean, you could argue that Phoenix to Fillier is a more dangerous. Well, no, it is. Sorry, it is. I don't think, you know, had somebody asked me this week if they think Ricky White will have 196 yards receiving the rest of the season. Um, I mean, I, do, I think he will, but the point point was kind of made uh, with the question. You know, Phoenix to Fillier is a pretty dyna- potentially dynamic combo. Now, Fillier didn't – he did score against Penn State, but he did only have five catches for 36 yards. It's not as if he's had two – you know, huge, huge games so far, but either way, you know, that, that'd be my issue, you know, and, and, and whether or not Indiana, you know, again, and this is what we said after the Michigan state game, like if you're Indiana next week, so two days from now, you have, this is, you, you have to start your offense out by doing this. You have to make Michigan prove they can stop it, you know, because I, I think if, and the other thing to watch, cause this is what, Quietly was a factor, but it was such a crap loss for Michigan. Just the optics and the perception that it didn't really get talked about. That game was called really tightly on the edges by the referees, you know, and, and we know Michigan has been always been a little grabby at the quarterback mm-hmm. position. And it is something that it does seem to kind of depend on how the refs feel that day, you know, how that's going to go. So if, you know, if they if Indiana throws up a couple deep passes early and they call a couple holding calls, then I mean, yeah, if you're all of a sudden there's might be concern again that there's a potential repeat of Saturday. So, you know, yeah, that's I mean that really is what I'm. You know, that's where the concern would be for me, uh, and the concern would also be for me is, you know, if if Vince Gray specifically you know struggles out of the gate on Saturday, if his confidence doesn't just kind of fade away. You know, I, that Harbaugh had his back in the presser on Monday, which he should have. Cause the thing is he actually, Vince Gray was a pretty, pretty productive player for them last year. Uh, the guy that we've seen out there the first two games so far this year, doesn't look like the guy. No. That was yeah. The second cornerback on the team last year. I mean, he's, he held his own against Alabama. Um, you know, he might've been their best corner in that game really. Uh, and, and, he just doesn't he, he hasn't looked like the same guy so far this year. So, you know, I think I think maintaining his confidence level is is going to be high and and but that's what I'd be concerned about is that Indiana just takes the same approach that Michigan State did, forces Michigan to try to stop it and they draw a couple penalties or hit a couple big plays early and that's where I think it comes a danger zone for Michigan because it's like here we then then it, the doubt starts to creep in you know, might have players just not outwardly, but like just in their heads, doubting the scheme, <laughs> you know, just the, the, the fashion in which they're playing defense and, and it can all collapse from there. So. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that probably schematically. That's probably the, the big one is just Indiana can throw the ball. And if they do early, you know, it's 
arguably now Michigan State threw for way more yards against Rutgers. They kind of had to because they were they were trailing, but um, but yeah, uh, you know, another very good passing attack and a and a quarterback who who has done it before and and a receiver who has been more productive than just about anyone Michigan will face the rest of the season. For me, the big concern is not so much schematic that I, I, you know, I'll point out some schematic ones throughout this episode, but I've seen enough, both college football and Michigan football. The biggest concern for Michigan is if Indiana comes out and punches them in the mouth figuratively and just, you know, a clean, crisp drive down the field scores a touchdown or Michigan starts and it's, they give up a sack and they have a, you know, a drop and then it's a three and out. Because I think, I think Michigan can hold it together. One stat for, for people to keep in mind, uh, Michigan has lost in the first month of the season, three times under Jim Harbaugh in 2015, they won seven of their next eight games or I think nine of their next 10, excuse me, nine of their next 10 games with their only loss being the the punt issue in 2018. They won 10 straight games after losing early on in the season. And then last fall, I think it was what seven of their next eight because uh, they lost at Wisconsin, but they, they, they picked up some good wins, close loss at Penn state. So really while Jim Harbaugh deserves a lot of the blame, for some of these early season losses. He also does deserve credit because in some way, shape or form, Michigan has been able to respond. Yeah. Even after it, the loss at Penn state, they came out and walloped Notre Dame. Yes. Yep. Next week. They've always seemed to respond after a loss. So yeah. You're, yeah. You're, and, and I think, I think it can be a multi-week thing. And so it's there, but what I think is critically important because I've seen Michigan in these types of games is the slow starts can get amplified. I give them a lot of credit last year against Penn state. They, it didn't amplify. And I think Alabama in the bowl game, it, it, it didn't. And then I think Alabama just proved to be a better football team, but you know, Michigan did kind of fight back there, but I'm always a little wary because I, you know, just you've had former players talk about, Jim Harbaugh, great coach, not a great pregame speech guy with no fans. You know, you, you do have to, it is on the players to figure out how to get motivated for these games. And in Indiana, they have all the motivation in the world. They are ranked higher than they've been ranked since 1987. That's also last year. Uh, Indiana, here it comes. Yeah. Indiana beat Michigan. <laughs> I'm not trying to say the two are, are correlated, no. but, but in terms of, uh, you know, they're and Indiana players are aware of the streak. I mean, they they will come out more confident than any Indiana team Michigan has faced in my lifetime. And so, you know, if, if Indiana comes comes go marches down the field and and looks really good, or Michigan has a mistake, I think that's when it starts to spiral. And I think if it becomes apparent Michigan is going to lose a second game which obviously two losses to teams in your division for all intents and purposes, your season is over. I think then you can start to be worried about the game really falling apart. 
I think there's a chance for a really nice bounce back win for Michigan, a really nice a chance for desperation to kind of fuel uh, maybe that extra oomph on a block or on a tackle or, or the, you know, the extra couple steps to try to make a play, putting your body on the line. I think you saw a little bit of it last week when Michigan was trying to march a comeback. I felt like they played better in the final 10 or so minutes. I, I know the score doesn't suggest that, but felt like there was improved play. And if they'd played that way the whole game, they'd probably win the game. But yeah, I think if Indiana comes out and is the real deal, I'm curious to see what would happen from a mental standpoint for Michigan the rest of the game. Would they panic? Would they flatline? Or is this a team that's going to have a really, you know, the Jim Harbaugh phrase, stealing, stealing their spines and make something out of this season? Because they can. I mean, I guess Wisconsin is the only team on their schedule before Ohio State that really looks has looked untouchable so far, but they also are going to be, have only played one game. Everyone else, I think Michigan should feel like it can beat. Right. So yeah, I'm very curious about the mental approach to it. We're going to pause for a quick break here. A word from our sponsors. We'll be back with our over under and season predictions in just a moment. All right. And we are back our over-unders, um, kind of as the name suggests, it is uh, our, our good friend Neil gives us some numbers about the game, and, and we try to guess over-under. We're not particularly good at them so far this season, by the way. I, I'm not sure if you've been following along, Steve, but obviously if we expected a blowout and <laughs> it wasn't a blowout, <laughs> we wouldn't necessarily do well. Last week, we actually both did technically finish above 500. We both got eight out of 12, correct? But overall in the season, I'm slightly below 500, Steve. You are 16 for 20 out of 27. So we got six on each side of the ball. First one, Michigan averages four and a half yards on first down. So so Neil, Neil via Azul on our message board, he, he kind of knows how to make these discussion points too. They need four and a half yards on first downs because that was a huge difference between Minnesota and Michigan state games, how many third and longs Michigan had to face. I I don't think that they have a security blanket third and long set of plays yet. I think they need things to go right on first and second down so that it can be a third and three, third and four. I mean, third and four with Joe Milton feel like you could do a thousand different plays and, and you feel, feel semi comfortable that it would work. I mean, with all the skill players, the screen game, his mobility, uh, you know, the, the bevy of Michigan running backs. But also, I mean, on third down, I don't know if they have an identity. I don't know if they have a sense for what they're going to do. Uh, but Steve, do you think they average four and a half yards on first down? Got to think it'll be a big priority for the Wolverines. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to go over, you know, to Milton's credit, he played really well on third down for him last week. That Heck, if it, he made some big throws on third and long that moved the chains a few times. I mean, you know, I'm not as was and even on rewatch, not as down on Milton and his performance last Saturday. I, I don't think it's a Milton thing. They did start out two for eight on third downs. Right. But event I mean, I want to say the second and third quarter, though, maybe even into the fourth a little bit. I mean, he converted five or six third, third and sevens, third and eights 
Yeah, they finished seven for seventeen. Right. So, so which not good, not great either way. Um, and I, I mean, it doesn't change the, the, the fact. I mean, they got to do better on first down. You don't want just because he had a hot streak in, on third and seven, third and eight, uh, at one point in the game. Yeah, you always want to be third and three, third and four. I, I do think, I do think they'll they'll do it. Uh, they, they, they gashed Minnesota's front or uh, front four defensively. Indiana, what do we think? Not much better on paper at least uh than minnesota's is was that the question yeah i mean better maybe but not like somewhere in between michigan state and minnesota so better better than minnesota but maybe not quite yeah at michigan state's level so i i'm gonna go over i'm gonna go under it's it's tough because four and a half yards on first down literally one you know zach charbonnet 70 yard first down run uh, probably gives you the entire game, right? So it's, I, I guess I don't know what the, what the national average is. That's not a stat. I have a ton of context for, but um, I mean, Indiana's got a, again, probably in between Michigan state. I mean, this is true last year in between Michigan state and Minnesota in terms of defense. So slightly above average, defense in the conference. I just, I, I guess I, I don't know if Michigan's going to move the ball as well as people hope it will based on what I, my impression of Michigan's offense and my impression of Indiana's defense. I, I think it'll be, I mean, I know last year, Shea Patterson and Nico Collins had went, went nuts on Indiana, but Indiana's, I mean, you know, they have a defensive head coach. They, they, their defense has improved tremendously in the last three or four years. Uh, impressed by Womack. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Kind of dilute my me being impressed with him if I didn't. But uh, I'm going to take the under on it. Just not no great backup. Just doesn't not sure if not sure if Michigan's going to move the ball quite that well. Number two, Joe Milton with seven and a half non-sack rushing attempts. That feels like an easy over, unless I'm walking yeah. into a trap here that that seems like something he's done both weeks yes but wait what's the what was the caveat though non non-sack oh so that could be out of the pocket and making a play with his feet right mm-hmm. yeah no i'll take the over then for sure yeah i, I guess think they, i think they that was another area on saturday where i didn't think michigan really utilized very much after Feel like they could have done more, right? Yeah, after they showed up, they used him in a multitude of ways against Minnesota as far as run pass looks and stuff. So, got to think that that's something they'll get back to here. Um, as we keep talking about what they need to get back to, just makes last Saturday that more and more and more inexplicable. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely take the over on that one. Yeah, so last week he had 11 non-sack rushing attempts. I think in week one he only had seven. So this number isn't off by any means, but I am going to take the over. I think I think as he gets more comfortable, I think that's something that they try to emphasize. 139.5 rushing yards from all four of Michigan's running backs. Steve? Um... I'm going to stick with a hunch here. I, I'm going to go over. I think they, I think they were able to run the ball effectively. So 
no real elaboration there. I just, I think between the four of those guys, I think they can get there. I'm going to say under I've teased this and certainly sounded like a bit of a wet blanket in this analysis before. I, I think, I think Michigan's still looking for more from its running backs. It's, it's kind of gone under the radar due to issues in the, in the defensive line and at cornerback um, and a little bit of the offensive line as well. But although that's part of the running backs getting yardage, but yeah, quietly, I think uh, Michigan's running backs, I mean, they had the 65 yard run from Hassan Haskins and they had the 70 yard run from Zach Charbonnet but not necessarily, I mean, they haven't been moving the chains, you know, picking up first down, first down, first down, like like they maybe were expected to. So, so far this season, they have 279 rushing yards on 41 carries. That's pretty good. But 135 of them came on two, what I would consider broken plays for Minnesota. I mean, there was just nobody there for the, in the second level to get either of those guys. And so maybe they get one of those, but then you're looking at 144 rushing yards on 39 carries in two games. I'm going to take the under going to take the under on that one. Um, plus I, I feel like Indiana's going to at least somewhat stop the run based on, you know, what they have defensively next one, one and a half players with at least five receptions. So do two players or more, kind of emerge as favorites in the passing game and get five receptions in this game. Steve. So that's a tough one. So they did, they had two guys that had over, did they have three Wilson Jackson and Johnson? Didn't they all have over five catches? Uh, Well, yeah, they all Wilson and Johnson had five and Jackson had seven. Right. But then they also completed a pass to 11 different guys total, though. That was one of the other things I noticed. So, yeah, I mean, they threw the ball 51 times. That's, yeah, but right. still 11 different receivers. That's a lot, whether you're throwing it. Oh, I agree. Right. Yeah. Um, it's only two. It's 12 guys. Oh, wait, no, 11. You're right. Carter Selzer did not. He was targeted. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, two, two, guys, two would be an over. I'll take over, I think. I, I'd, you know, Roman Wilson has already to me established himself as reliable Giles Jackson it's kind of the same and then you know you always got to remember Ronnie Bell too as a possibility in that regard he had too. four last week so yeah he, I mean he was close really so. one play yeah so I'll take the over yeah I'm gonna take the over on that one as well I mean it's just I know I know Michigan's gonna spread the ball around I don't think they're I think they'll pass enough that if at least two guys get five or more rushing or receptions, excuse me. Uh, next one, 59.5 combined receiving yards from the tight ends. This has been an interesting thing about Michigan's offense. I don't, I feel like they've tried to get the tight ends involved, but I, I don't know if it's been forced. I don't know if it's just bad luck. Uh, it hasn't been a efficient place for Michigan to go, you know, just in terms of completion percentage. Um, there's been a couple drops, and when, when there are catches made, they aren't necessarily huge gains. So do they keep going down that well? Do they get 60 receiving yards from Nick Eubanks, Eric All, and company? The only, Okay, the only reason I'm going to take over on this one is because I, I kind of feel like Milton likes throwing the ball to Eric All. 
I mean, he's the one guy he kind of forced the ball to on the 15, pa- 15 pass targets for yeah. Eric Hall, which leads the team. Yes. And that's, so that's one reason why I kind of am going to go over Eric all so far anyway, not living up to the hands aspect you no. know, guy that we reported had, yeah. we reported multiple times because that's what we were told had the second best hands on the team behind Nico Collins. And he has dropped a couple crucial passes in each game so far this season. So um, I'd, you know, given that I suspect Michigan's not going to waver in their confidence with him. And so that combined with Milton, you know, and Eubanks getting back in the swing. I mean, he didn't play against Minnesota, so he's right. getting back into the swing of things as well. So I'm, I'm going to take the over on that one. Okay. I'm going to take the under. I, I mean, they, I don't think they've done it at all this year. So um guess stick with that. It's just, I mean, I, I don't know quite enough about you know what i'm not in the shambeckler hall you know in their game plan i'm not sure what they're going for i think you bring up a good point clearly he likes throwing to eric all even if it's not working uh but yeah but i'm just gonna take the under on that one next one 40 percent conversion rate on third downs for michigan in this game so we mentioned they started the game struggling on third downs now they are or at the end of the game, they were they were doing better. You think they're going to have pretty good success on first downs. Do you expect similar success on third downs where they're converting at least 40% of them? I feel like I'm taking the positive choice in all of these. Yeah, you got uh, them lined up to score like 50-plus points. Nah, I, said, I didn't <laughs> say that. I do think over, though, because I don't think 40 is like necessarily a threshold of like great success necessarily, mm-hmm. you know? I think converting probably half about your, what Michigan's done this year. Right. I think converting half of your third downs is like, okay. Um, so I'll take over though, because I, yeah, it's, I kind of have to do the uh, A to B, B to C deal. If Michigan's averaging more than four and a half yards on first down, I'm going to take them to get more than 40% of their thirds. Yeah. 40% actually is kind of high. I think there's only, um, well, it's, a, it's around an average. I think there are, 55 teams who have so it's pretty much almost national average uh, to convert 40 percent i'm gonna say over i i push or over just i mean even last week they ended up what seven for 17 which isn't isn't too far off that total yeah it's, well actually it's over 41 percent. so i think they'll do as good or better than last week um not too much elaboration that it would help right for them if they were averaging five yards on first down but uh even even with that being said i think michigan's got some playmakers i think they're going to get better at the third down stuff it's this isn't to necessarily put anybody off the hook but michigan does have a very young offense and i think it's an offense i would anticipate progressing throughout the season you know, the defense, some of those issues, I don't I don't know how much they'll get corrected, but if you think about their their starting running back, quarterback, wide receivers, pretty much everyone but Nick Eubanks is L you know, would isn't even a senior. So and several of them aren't even draft eligible. So it's a pretty young group in terms of who's rotating in and who's getting the key snaps. On the defensive side of the ball, three point nine yards per rushing attempt 
for Indiana. I'm going to go ahead and take an under. I, I just, Indiana, they didn't run the ball well against Penn State. Didn't seem like they run the, ran the ball well against, um, against Rutgers. And if you're not running the ball well against Rutgers, even, even with Rutgers apparently being a solid team now, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they have it. So I'm going to take the under on that one. I'm going to take the under also. Yep. Uh, I mean, they have good backs. Stevie Scott is good. Samson James, good. I mean, Mike Hart's the running backs coach, and and uh, he's been doing a really nice job putting a, a pretty solid group out there. But, yeah, does it – I don't know. I mean, Michigan State didn't run the ball well or particularly well either. They just threw the ball like crazy. So, um, so yeah, it seems like that might be the easiest over-under of this week. Uh, three and a half tackles for loss and sacks by the linebackers. So interesting opportunity for us to discuss camera grown. Michael Barrett seems like, seems like I, if I had to guess, I would guess they would play, but, but certainly questionable. Uh, they both left last week's game with injury felt like Adam Shibley, especially stepped in and had a, had a nice game for Michigan. He had one of one of their two tackles for a loss <laughs> last week. So, so yeah. Um, so tackles for loss by the linebackers, three and a half over or under. This is one of those where I'm going to pick over, but it's because I think they get like four. Okay. So over, but barely. They have to generate more tackles for loss than they did against Michigan State. They have yeah. To. Yeah. Would they get two? Two, which is and Rutgers had 12 and a half. So still, is that the most surprising st- statistic from it, it's Saturday's just, game? It's, I know the passing game did well, but I feel like that's the one that like it's the most indicative. How does Rutgers, Michael Dwemfor had more tackles for loss than Michigan's entire defensive line combined. Insanity. You know, and that's not I mean, a dig at Dwemfor. I mean, he had a nice game, but I, I feel like Michigan entered the season feeling like they had four defensive linemen they would take over Dwum for. Yep. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm incorrect there, but based on how they talk about their defensive line, that was supposed to be a crown jewel, but linebackers, do you think the linebackers themselves get up? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Over. All right. I am going to pick, um, I'm going to take the under Indiana feels like kind of a, I mean, with the way, Penix plays and and you know what Stevie Scott can do. I feel like they're a team that can avoid the tackles for loss. I think I don't know if they're going to be able to move the ball as well as Michigan State did, but I feel like you know Penix if they need to and and they also have a good tight end and Peyton Hendershot. I feel like Penix can get rid of the ball, kind of avoid the tack the sacks, the tackles for loss, especially the ones from the linebackers. Um, so I'm going to take. The under, I could definitely see it being like four, though. I mean, if if I were to guess, I'd be like ah oh, three or four. So I'm just gonna take the under. Three point five different cornerbacks play for Michigan, not counting Dax Hill. So you know, last week I think was it Gray that got benched for Jalen Perry, uh, and so and and then obviously Jem and Green. Do they play four different cornerbacks for Michigan in this game? Hens, are we calling Dax Hill a corner when he, he plays said corner? he said N- Dax Hill not counted as CB? Oh boy, 
<laughs> That's a good one. Because it means we'd be seeing somebody we haven't seen yet. Um, man. I, I'm going to take the over, I guess. I, I Maybe I think we'll see somebody else out there. I don't know who that necessarily would be, but maybe Sammy Faustin. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take the over, though, I guess. I'd that's a tough one, though. I, you know, what does Indiana come run out like a three or four wide set? You know, there's that's so many, that's the other thing is yeah, it's so many it's, variables that could force them into it, even if they didn't want to. Um, no, nah, I'm gonna switch. I'll say under. I, I just, I really don't even. I guess it would be Sammy Faustin, maybe Andre Seldon, um, but uh, that's a that's a good one. I just, I'm gonna say under though. I'm gonna stick with three. I'm gonna say over. I feel like. This is the first time I can remember he said X number of players to appear at a position. I feel like that's over a lot more often than we think. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I guess junk time would factor into this as well, right? Yes, if if there if, is junk time. Right, but, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna re I'm gonna go over just for that. Just the fact could be junk time either way. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's a pro Michigan. Doesn't mean it's pro Michigan junk time, right? It'd be pro Indiana junk time. Plus, you know, if, if one player gets tired on a go route, I mean, yep. if Watfield here runs fifty yards downfield, he might rotate a cornerback in. No, I'm gonna go over. If one player gets dinged up, yeah, I'm gonna go over for the exact same reason. Um, next one, seventy nine point five receiving yards for Watfillier. So he averages maybe a little bit higher than that. You know, in his in the past year and change, does Michigan successful? They didn't face him last season. Does Michigan successfully shut Fillier down, or does he go off for at least eighty yards or more? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take the over until Michigan. What Bateman end up with a couple weekends ago? Uh, one second, but but yes, your point is solid. That like, yeah. Yeah, Rashad Bateman ended up with 101. Right, but that was more, and this is could be more this week. Like, just I think he's just going to get enough targets and catch enough passes to get past that mark. Now he may go off and have a huge game. I'm just saying either. I'm saying either way. Even if Michigan kind of slows him down, I still think he's going to eclipse that number because I think he'll just end up with a high volume of targets and catches to get there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Indiana's smart they they know that they have a really good player and and until michigan you bring up a good point until michigan shows that they can legitimately shut because they've done that in the past indiana's had a 1200 yard receiver and did nothing against michigan but until they show until this year's group shows that i i would assume he can get at least 80 yards maybe even over 100 now i don't think he'll be running completely wild I, th- I mean, Michigan knows how to kind of adjust. But yeah, I think they'll target Fillier at least 10 times. And I'm sure he'll connect for a few. Speaking of those big plays, next one is four and a half plays of 20 yards or more allowed by Michigan's defense. Um, What was that stat? I think I posted it in Slack. In their last five losses, they've yielded 28, 28 plays of 25, 25 yards or more, which is so 
it that's that's one of those ones that sounds really bad i don't think that that's too much of a departure from what college football is these days yeah I suppose. But big plays have been a problem. A lot of those. I would say this. Field. I would say this though. I bet of those twenty-five, I want to say like probably close to half of them were more like fifty plus. You think yeah. of Dobbins, Dobbins? Well, and how many of them Dobbins turned runs. into points? That's yeah. A key. Yep. Yeah. So, um, man, did Minnesota hit? 20 overs was like I kind of keep thinking about that game. So um, Michigan's allowed 10 so far this season. Six on I feel like there were what six on Saturday. Yep, there were six on Saturday. I'll I'll go over. I think they'll allow I think there'll be a few. I think they'll I think maybe four or five again. Yeah, I I, I feel like it'll be an over. I I think just because it sound it seemed a little anomalous last week. I think Michigan will do slightly better defending them. I don't think there'll be multiple 50-yard pass plays. I guess we don't know until until the game happens. But um, personally, from my view, I feel like Michigan State kind of snuck up some of those plays on Michigan. I mean, Ricky White, literally, nobody, I mean, there were Michigan State fans who didn't know who he was. And that's not a dig at State fans. That just speaks to how to, kind of how out of nowhere he was. I don't think Indiana's got anything coming out of nowhere. You know, everyone talks about Indiana's always the trap game. Well, they, they played their way out of the trap. They're just a, a big game now. You know, they, they beat Penn State, uh, put up some points against Rutgers. I I think Michigan, I'm tempted to, you know what, I'll take the under. We're, we're going to disagree on a few of these today. I, I think, I, yeah, I mean, for, five, feels like relatively par for the course um last season michigan average i mean michigan themselves average had 88 or excuse me 68 through 13 games so that's around five isn't it so uh five per game and and indiana uh also playing 13 games had 71 so it's it's around an average game but I'm going to take the under I've got a, got a hunch. We actually forgot our hunches. We'll include them in the predictions in just a moment. Got a hunch about Michigan's defense in just a moment. Uh, final one special teams, 29.5 yards for Michigan's longest kickoff or punt return. Over. I think someone does something. Maybe Blake Corum breaks off, not a return for a touchdown necessarily, but breaks off like a 35, 40 yard return. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel like something happens. <laughs> kind of the same, yeah, great, same deal as you, great, right? I mean, great analysis. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, Michigan when they're not doing onside kicks uh, has has pretty solid special teams. I feel like, um, you know, they have some really good speed, and you know, it, I don't know. I could see a return touchdown. Not predicting it, but it does one. For at least thirty yards, I think, I think Giles Jackson actually snuck in a couple thirty-yard returns last week. Even though I don't think anyone was necessarily watching the special teams as as amazing. Um, yeah, he had a thirty-two-yard punt return, and then in the return game, he had a thirty-eight-yard kick return. So, um, 
yeah, did they get at least 29 yards? I'll, I'll, I'll take the over on that. All right, final segment. We forgot the I have a hunch that blank. So, so Steve wants you to start with that, and then you can turn it into your game prediction. Uh, my hunch, I guess, is that I think Josh Gaddis calls a much better game on Saturday than he did against Michigan State. I think Michigan has some success throwing the football. You know, I think I feel like the offensive performance will be closer to Minnesota than it was Michigan State, even though I guess now Indiana is the highest ranked team Michigan has played so far this year. Right. Uh, I just, I'm like I said, I'm not that down on what Joe Milton's done so far. I mean, he, he would have completed 75% of his passes if Michigan hadn't dropped four or five against the Spartans. He's yet he to still turn, threw for 300 yards. Right. And he's yet to turn the ball over. Uh, probably. Yeah. So that would have put him somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 total yards against Michigan state last Saturday. Um, now again, it's inevitable. He's going to make mistake at some point. There's not, they're not going to play turnover free football all year and he's not going to play turnover free football all year, but I'm not as down on, you know, I think quarterback classic position where people, kind of only pull away the negatives. Whereas, you know, a couple balls, he threw like a mile over everybody's head, that type of deal. I, I just, I think Michigan has to allow him to, to, I don't know, like, I don't know, it sounds like a pitcher, but they got to let him stretch his arm out a little bit and like throw a couple deep balls. Like I said earlier, to get to kind of open things up a little bit for everybody else. So uh, I think he comes to play. I think he's a leader too. I think that the, the guys in that offensive unit, like, love playing with him and stuff. I think he's like a legit leader for them at that quarterback position. I agree. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I think he comes to play on Saturday prediction wise. I am going to pick Michigan to win. Just history says they usually rebound well after a loss. And man, I mean, if, if your back's not against the wall now, it's never going to be against the wall. I know it's, this is a weird season. It's not a normal season, but I still think the pressure is immense on Harbaugh and Michigan to, to win this game. Cause I mean, I don't know about you. I don't, I don't really think Indiana is the 13th best team in college football. I think this is one of the better Indiana teams they've had, obviously, if not the best, but they caught a few big breaks in that game against Penn state. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, Penn state gained almost 500 yards of offense. You know, if Michigan puts up 500 yards of offense on Saturday, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win maybe like easily, I guess. So I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. Just saying if they do that, I, I don't think that they're going to lose like Penn State did. So I'm going to go with Michigan. I think a score, I just, I, I think I picked a really random score. It was 32 to 24. I think Michigan wins by a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Um, so, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to go with Michigan. I think they rebound and build some confidence into next weekend's hopefully a game uh, against Wisconsin. Yeah, my um, but, but between the two of us, Michigan's going to have a good game because my hunch is actually I think Michigan. This is partly due to Indiana, partly due to Michigan. I think Michigan's defense starts to look more like a Michigan defense this week. They've they've actually done defensively. I feel like they've done pretty well against Indiana year in year out. Indiana has a new offensive coordinator. Uh, it's actually Nick Sheridan <laughs> in part, and so. Um, yeah, I think they're still sorting some things out. You mentioned the 500 yards. 
uh, or 488 yards Penn State had against Indiana. Lost in all that is that Indiana somehow scored 36 points on 211 total yards. And granted, Penn State made, committed 100 penalty yards in that. They also committed three turnovers. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's weird because I think Penix, Fillier, and Hendershot are better than what Michigan State brings to the table. But but Michigan State was coming off of a game where they threw for over 300 yards against Rutgers. They at least had 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 success offensively, like true, um, you know, putting up some yards, putting up some number success. Indiana had 372 yards total against Rutgers. And that was on what? 72 plays. Uh, so not exactly, you know, an offensive juggernaut type of game against a team that I would think a lot of teams in the big 10 are going to put up a lot of points against. They only had 20 first downs. Uh, so I'm I'm thinking, and I also I agree with you. I think Michigan has a bit of a bounce back uh, mentality to it. Got to think. I mean, Quiddy Pay, Aiden Hutchinson, Carlo Kemp. Do you think they thought about anything else this week other than figuring out how to produce better on the field? I mean, it's you know it, that's got to be priority number one for them. They're all veterans. They all expected way better. The, the interesting part is if Michigan is missing a couple linebackers with Cam McGrown and, and Michael Barrett questionable, but um, you know, I think I think Michigan's defense knows it can be better, and I think it actually has the ability to do it. And I also think Indiana's offense isn't quite as good as, as one would think for an offense averaging, what, 36.5 points per game, one that knocked off Penn State. I, I think... I think there's some holes there that Michigan can exploit, especially on the offensive line. Uh, felt felt the same way about Michigan State's offensive line, so you know I'm prepared to be completely wrong on that front. But feel like this is a game that Michigan can kind of bring a little bit of a defense. So with that said, my prediction is going to be Michigan 31. Indiana 20. That's a very Michigan Indiana score. I feel like they managed the margins like 10 points almost every well it's it's, it's in many years, even number years feels like the margins 10 points. Um but I do think Michigan will win. I think it'll be a bounce back and then I agree. Hopefully there's a game next week period. Uh and I I think Michigan can go into that matchup with with a little bit of hunger, a little bit of little bit of fire in its in its belly uh and i think well, they leave bloomington with the win right think like just how bizarre is is say you know that if they could sweep this two-game stretch which again we're, we're jumping a little bit here but they'd be three and one with wins over three ranked teams like and then they give <laughs> they give one away in a game that they completely shouldn't have you know talk about you know, if they catch fire here, if they can turn it around, that Michigan State game is just going to be looked at as just such a crap stain on, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, but Steve, it, I will say other teams do that. No, I agree. You know, Ohio State I lost agree. to Iowa by 31. They win the Big Ten title. They lose, they get smoked at Purdue. Uh, you know, they go on to win the Big Ten title. Oklahoma, I feel like every year there's like one. Now this year they have two losses, but, you know, they have a dud game. I feel like Penn State has lost to Michigan State more than one would think. 
given the where the two programs have been the last few years. Wisconsin lost at Illinois last year. Now, a lot of these are road games, and that's where it really hurts Michigan that this was not supposed to be the game that they lost. But every team outside of Clemson and Alabama, I feel like, is due for a dud. I mean, didn't Georgia lose to South Carolina last year? I could go on and on. This isn't it kind of interest, like interesting, though. Like, where would people feel about the big picture if Michigan is in two weeks if they're three, three and one with three wins over ranked team? It's just such yeah. A let's weird... let's get there, right? I mean, Wisconsin. Yeah. I predicted them to come into Ann Arbor and, and actually beat up Michigan right. fairly badly. Uh, you know, I think they're a very good team, and and I think Indiana. These last few minutes, we've kind of poo-pooed them a little bit but they're they're also a very good team they beat you know penn state but i think there is something to be said you know every seems like every team throws up a dud once a year you know ohio state clemson alabama the past couple years doesn't feel like they necessarily have as much lsu obviously didn't last year but really i think everyone's due for a dud but if if michigan has a good coach and good players I mean, if they happen to have a great coach and great players, I don't know if anyone uh, covering the team or, or even fans of the team would necessarily venture that far just yet. But if this is a program that's stable and knows how to do it, there could be, there's absolutely a chance for a bounce back. So anyway, we both predict it, I guess, with, with roughly 10, 9, 10, 11 point wins. We'll see what happens on Saturday. I'll be down there. We're going to record our podcast Saturday night. So be sure to check out the basketball podcast with Sam Webb and, and Tim McCormick. Check out the recruiting podcast uh, with, with our entire recruiting team here at the, the Michigan Insider and Michigan 24-7 Sports. Check out all of our stories. We're going to have preview content, you know, other other stories along the way over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. Love the su- support. Love the community. Uh, appreciate Everyone who rates, subscribes, shares this podcast with their friends. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.